Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 233rd edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a post corner across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Ah, uh, yes, 72 Poco, X Poco. That's uh, one of our favorite double move uh, deep shots. Uh, it was open a lot. Wish we had time to throw it. But guess what? We'll have time to talk about it here on today's show. I'm excited. I uh, got a uh, got a new potential sponsor in the boat. Ooh, well, hopefully we will get them on on board very soon. Uh, they can row the boat if they're coached by PJ Fleck. But yes. uh, we can't get started without the third amigo in a second city, a man who knows every lyric to "The Eyes of a Ranger." It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Walker, Texas Ranger, man, '90s classic, like. Everyone should know that. That should be the Pledge of Allegiance. So I had a student uh, in my class last week. They had to write about who their greatest cinematic influence is. And this is like in their film studies class. It's one of the first classes they take. And he said he grew. He wants to be a, a fight choreographer. And he said his biggest influence growing up was watching Walker, Texas Ranger. Nice. He is, he is my favorite student of all time already. <laughs> Best thing about that song is that Chuck Norris performed it himself. Yes, it is. The eyes of a ranger, the unsuspecting <laughs> stranger, had better know the truth than wrong from right. Boom, 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 and the ranger. All right, let's talk. Are about upon that. you. <laughs> should we have a Anything side podcast? you do, they're going to see. Matt, should we start our own side podcast where we break down every episode of Walker, Texas Ranger? Uh. Uh, uh, we could call it the what would we call it the refightables the roundhouse the roundhouse Roundhouse, breaking down every episode of walker texas ranger we can blow it out get Haley joel osmond on for um uh uh, for his two-part uh for his two-part special (laughs) now you're on to something i love it i love it well uh as you guys all know out there we here at the illegal motion college football podcast are brought to you by betonline.ag the football season is in full swing, and while you may not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Uh, moving off of the gridiron, either you guys uh, excited about the Masters this weekend and a little no- November magic uh, down there in Augusta? I am. Um, I think Justin <laughs> Thomas has a great shot this year. Um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see what Augusta in the fall brings. I know uh, for us Georgians, it is a it is the official. I don't care what the calendar says or what all that science stuff says. The Masters is the official kickoff to spring. So um, it's going to be weird seeing it in November, but um, 
it'll be kind of fun to see if uh, if they have the same uh, if they have the same you know gardening and azaleas and everything that they would normally have in the spring. Well, it's going to be uh, what I'm interested in. See, it's going to be wet following hurricane i think it's ada is going through there right now i forget which one is going through the southeast right now it's supposed to be what 100 percent chance of thunderstorms on thursday so that is not a a good sign you know the grass is always already going to be different you know i i, I was reading about how they are they, they change the formula of bermuda grass that they use and they overseed with rye I, I, getting all way too in to horticulture uh, for my liking when it came to uh, looking into the Masters, I I also like Justin Yay. Thomas though, Coach. I'm with you there. Uh, if you're looking for a long oh shot, God. Corey Connors. Okay, we've put Josh to sleep already. Huh? So uh, <laughs> either that or he's, he's enjoying a nice Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> so uh, true, true. This is my r- relationship with golf. Um, it's an amazing sporting event to go to live and in person. I I just can't sit and watch it. I'll I'll watch like the last three or four holes on Sunday. I, I can't watch all eighteen hours of the entire tournament. I just it's too repetitive. I don't know. Too boring. Well, uh, if you're Josh or anyone else. From game spreads to totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. There's plus, there's always the online casino; it never closes. So head on over to BetOnline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, uh, week ten had some ups and some downs, and well. We're going to start with uh, what was the biggest downer for this show, at, at least in the uh, in the offensive coordinator's corner. Uh, that would be the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Uh, Coach, Georgia came in with some injuries and left with their tail between their legs because uh, Florida, Florida put a hurting on your boys a little bit. That does not feel good. No, they didn't. Uh, it, well, it didn't. Uh, they... Uh... They indeed had that uh, thirty-one to seven run there in the second quarter. Uh, just uh, there's a there's a thing called a wheel route. I think um, it's often it's run by play. tailbacks. It's a new play. Um, I, I think it was just invented on Saturday. So, you know, I, I forgive Kirby and them for you know maybe they'll figure it out in the future. Um, but uh, couldn't stop it nonetheless. It was uh, man, it was so frustrating. Yeah, Florida, I mean, they got well over 100 yards just on wheel routes, I think. I I mean, like, I think they had 200 yards receiving. I think each back had 100 yards. I mean, just on that route. I think they hit nine of them. Like, I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. Malik Davis had 100 yards receiving, and it was just on wheel routes. Yeah, it, Um, it was. And then they found other ways to hit the same wheel route with the tight end out of different formations. So, like, they ran the tailback nine times. They ran the wheel another like 150 times. Yeah, I mean, the, formations. their top four receivers in the game were two running backs and two tight ends. Yeah, that's bad. To the tune of 474 yards. And on the flip side, Coach, usually not going to win a game when your quarterbacks go nine for 29 for 112 yards. Yeah, that that's not good either. They were uh, – I mean, they had plenty of shot plays. There were some receivers – 
that got separation, that got into open field and, and had some shots at some big plays. But um, you, you can't have a big play unless you actually connect with that receiver. Uh, and then a couple times tight end um, had some opening and uh, for, for big gains, for big chunk plays to kind of keep us in it. And they major drops there. Um, there was a play where I wish Demetrius Robertson could have maybe laid out. I don't know. I'm not going to hammer him too much about it, but I, I think he probably had a chance at it if he lays out um, late in the game there. I, it would have made things interesting, but I don't know that we would have, I don't know that we would have ever won that game, but it, it certainly would have made, made life interesting. So uh, the, 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 the key things that we learned is uh, a Jordan Davis, uh, huge, literally and figuratively a huge piece missing in the middle of the defense at nose guard uh, B Monty Rice is not built to cover running backs out of the backfield. Um, C, Richard LeCount was relied on way too much. Uh, the, his, his replacements were uh, not communicating well, well, not communicating the coverage as well. Uh, C, George Pickens is the glue that holds that receiver group. Uh, Kyrus Jackson is not a number one receiver. Uh, D, Marcus Rosemey's injury was disgusting. Uh, and he was starting to emerge. He got what we call dacked. He got dacked, and I uh, feel bad for him. Uh, I, I I hope he's got a, a speedy recovery. They're looking. Yeah, you know it's bad when they're when they're blurring it out on the replay. Yeah. So, um, that you know, that's not good. Um, Stetson Bennett gets a shot in his arm and is still terrible. Um, Dwan Mathis looks like a deer in the headlights. Uh, they wouldn't try out the freshman Carson Beck. And for some reason, JT Daniels, uh, they just didn't want to give him a shot either. And it looks like uh, looks like things are going from bad to worse in the SEC. I think the entire SEC slate is getting ready to be postponed. So Yeah, the only game right now that I know isn't postponed is Vandy-Kentucky. And let's face it, I mean, that Vandy-Mississippi State game was one of the ugliest football games I have seen in my entire life. And I watched every snap. Yeah, that, that was... Uh, I saw the highlights of that, or I, I there, guess there, were, there were no highlights, if were, Coach. If you could there, call it that, there were no highlights. Vandy turned yeah. the ball over five times, uh, and Mississippi State had like 210 yards of total offense, including negative 31 rushing. <laughs> That's a banner day. There we go. Yeah, and Mississippi State still somehow won. Josh, one of the things that I found curious in this game, and I think maybe it was just because. They got behind really there in the second quarter and weren't able to get back on the ground. Zamir White, first play of the game, rips off a 75-yard touchdown. It was run. a Wisconsin special, 23 personnel, I think is what it was. And yeah, were... and after that, he only gets six more touches on the ground. Yeah, I mean, inexcusable. Um, I, I don't know how that happens, um, especially when you have quarterback putting together a 5 of 16 day. That's what... Bennett was as the starter, so he's got to get more carries. Uh, I think the the big takeaway from this game, Coach already highlighted, it's just the, the Georgia defense had a nightmare game, and obviously they had some injuries, and I think a player got a targeting call. Um, but even with that, I mean, you sort of expect this deep into Kirby Smart with some of the impressive, impressive things that the program's done the last few years that – they would be like Bama. They'd just be rolling five-star after five-star out there. 
to give up 44 points, 470 passing yards, four touchdowns. I mean, that's just insane. They made Trask look like a Heisman Trophy finalist. And offensively, despite the woes passing, Georgia still manufactured 28 points. So to me, this was just a total Chernobyl by that defense. Hmm. And the offense surprised me. They, they played all right. Yeah, I mean, it was just a scattered twenty-eight points. It was it was fourteen really quick points. Then it was yeah, y'all were up fourteen nothing after like six minutes or whatever. Yeah, we 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 held the ball. I think a total of like six plays, and we were up fourteen nothing. Then Florida comes back, which I I knew they were going to put points on the board, and you know that wasn't to. I knew we weren't going to shut them out for sure. And then, uh, you know, they, they, they tie it up. We go up 21-14 with a pick six. And then I'm thinking, okay, here we go. We're good. And then all of a sudden the wheels fell off, and we didn't score again until, I guess, Dwan Mathis's first series in, like, the late third quarter, mid-third quarter. And then it, then the wheels fell off again. Like, like we – he had a competent drive there where he drove down and, and, and put one in, and then he looked like he'd never played football before after that. So it was like, okay, he's going to make some things interesting, but it looks like he's never played football before. If Jamie Newman's on this team, is, is this game a different story? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if Jamie Newman's on this team, that Alabama game is you know probably a three-point game. Well, he is just accepted it? a bid to play in the Senior Bowl, just so you know. <laughs> great that that's yeah. just exactly what you guys needed and on social media they they touted him from georgia <laughs> when he if he gets drafted or when he's in the nfl it will be jamie newman quarterback georgia having never played a snap there yeah so i mean like obviously this is i do not wish any harm to anybody during this pandemic but the the height of irony would be he sits out for his health this season and if he got sick at the senior bowl. Yeah, that would be the ultimate ir- irony. Or he tears, tears his ACL at the senior bowl. Oh, I would I would rather have someone get COVID than a C- ACL. Well, six one way, half dozen the other. You know, and for for Georgia, that's, you know, I mean, pretty much you guys have uh, that that's going to pretty much wrap up the SEC East for Florida. They should have a pretty easy path going forward. Uh, so uh, it looks like the, the the dog's reign at the head of the SEC East is going to come to an end. What's JT Daniels got to do to to get a shot out there? I I don't get it. I mean, he took you, first team reps today at practice. So that, well, that that that's useful. You're, you're a day late and a dollar short, Kirby. Like know. you know, you, you said <laughs> know. those receivers are getting open. We know JT Daniels has the arm to get the ball to those guys. We know Mathis doesn't. We know Beth. We know Bennett can't hit the deep pass and can't see over the offensive lineman. Like I, this, this is what I don't understand. So you're you're our Georgia guy. Like help me understand this. I don't. Um... Uh, there's something <laughs> there's something missing here uh you know because he, he's so coy about like what's going on with this whole situation like we don't know like if he hasn't been like if he's not football ready yet if he's just now you know if if, if they're really testing his knee out if they're I, I, don't, I don't know because uh or if he just got in the doghouse or if stetson just really 
did outperform him. That's not good um, on his part. Uh, you know, I don't know because he, all he would ever say was Stetson gives us the best chance to win. He didn't say anything about uh, JT. He didn't say anything about anybody else. He just said, we feel Stetson gives us the best chance to win. So we kind of had to take him at his word for that. And, you know, after the Tennessee game, kind of started to believe him. And then the wheels fell off. So um, I don't know. It, it's uh, it's definitely odd. It's definitely head scratching. It's definitely the the conversation that's going on amongst dog fans um, is what in the hell happened uh, with JT Daniels? What is going on with that situation? Why aren't we seeing him? It, how bad is he hurt? Uh, how bad is he as a quarterback? Did he like commit some violation? Did he break some team rule? Did he? Bang Kirby's wife? I don't know. Like what? What, <laughs> what happened? I, who knows? <laughs> oh man! Uh, to just to flip gears for a second, uh, you know, Matt, you mentioned that the SEC East seems like a wrap, and I 100 percent agree with that. But very curious about the ceiling for Florida now, because their remaining schedule, they have Arkansas next, who is vastly improved, but that's also Florida's hardest game remaining on their schedule at Vandy, Kentucky, at Tennessee, LSU after the Arkansas game. It's going to be a it's going to be a 40 point spread against Vandy. No joke. So there's a very real possibility they went out. They're eight and one. Um, Depending on if anyone ahead of them loses, they'll be top five team in the SEC title game. Um, They win it. They're presumably in the playoffs. What happens if they they give Alabama a game and and lose on a last second field goal? Do they also slip in? Uh, no, I, mean, I don't think it's a two loss team unless. So I, at, at this point, base we're looking at the SEC, the ACC winner, uh, the Big Ten winner, the the Pac, and only if it's an undefeated Oregon or USC <laughs> team from the Pac twelve. Um, there's a chance. There's a chance. Honestly. Uh, as a two loss, uh, as a two loss team, but then then what do you do with Texas A and M? Because I mean, well, their only their only loss then is going to be to Alabama. Well, I yeah, that's that's the complex matter. That's and they beat Florida head to head. Yeah, it, so it's almost it's almost it, it's almost as if a four team tournament isn't uh, very well situated. And then how do we deal with Cincinnati and BYU? Yeah, it's, uh, gee, I wonder. And Coastal Carolina, for that matter. If only there was a way to have avoided all of this with. Or uh, even, (laughs) I I, want to hit myself every time I say it, Hugh Freeze's Liberty. Well, speaking of which, uh, (laughs) Hugh Freeze's run at Liberty might be over pretty soon if these rumors are, are true. Uh, rumors for what south him, carolina him Auburn? to south carolina whatever i uh, vandy but fans, south carolina has such a good coach right now whatever vandy fans <laughs> vandy fans now are clamoring for him and i'm doing everything in my in, in my limited capacity of a uh of a voice for vanderbilt as part of believe in vanderbilt to say no trust me you don't want those problems you, you hey don't you know want, who you and know you know who, what else you don't want you don't want those cell phone bills you know who Vandy should go after? Um, literally anyone that's not Derek Mason. No, it would come totally full circle. 
He's currently coaching a James, winless team. James Franklin at <laughs> yes. Penn State. Uh, there are also fans clamoring for him. I will take Franklin any day of the week and twice on Saturdays over Hugh Freeze. <laughs> wow. Um, because I, I just I, I think Hugh Freeze is a genuinely terrible person. What What does Ryan say? It's Freezes, man. Um, Hugh Freezes. Ryan, Ryan Ryan has nothing but respect. And especially if he brings along the strength coach with him, that the uh, coach Galt, the strength coach, is a. Uh, I was talking. I was talking about freeze, not. Oh no! Well, 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 you'll have to listen into our interview with Jonathan Wynn this week, uh, former yeah. Vanderbilt player, NFL defensive end, and current children's book author. Oh. Mm. And uh, while I'm plugging shows, uh, make sure to check out my interview with uh, Al Ashford, uh, the. Uh, Wisconsin cornerback commit this year to talk about the uh, the 2021 uh, Wisconsin football recruiting class, which is on track to be the single greatest class in Wisconsin history, and and probably finish about 73rd in the country. <laughs> uh, right now they are they are number 15. Actually, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay, you guys want to hear something crazy? Yeah. Um, PJ Fleck uh, in his team meeting room. He, um, he had a little reading session. You want to want to take a guess of what he read? I I know the answer, so I will abstain. Oh. Mm-hmm. He well, this... read he read uh, modern nautical. <laughs> you can advice. call it. He, you, he, he, he read uh, everyone he, poops. He, he read. Um, no, he read. I, I can I give it away, Coach? He read yeah. Rowboat Weekly. He read if everybody poops. Yeah, if you were listening, I just gave it away. But yeah, everyone <laughs> poops. Why did he read Everyone Poops? Because they shit the bed. And and it can be used as fertilizer to grow. Yeah, I I, I, I heard that it can be used as fertilizer to grow. And the only thing that grew was my disdain for PJ Fleck. I, I just I just got a good laugh at it because it was like it was the most ridiculous thing ever. What the heck? They are. I guess, I guess I guess you're plugged into Big Ten country. I, I I just saw that, so I was like, what the hell? Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw that. I, I figured it was yesterday or earlier today, and I just thought that was like, it's so PJ Fleck. He's so over the top and such a just, and that that went that loss to Michigan just looks worse and worse every single week. My God! Uh, not only did they lose, they got their they got their handed. butts handed to them. Yeah, they they bounced back against Illinois though. So, you know who's the, available? The Gophers are on the board. Who's available? Gary Anderson. <laughs> He's available. My favorite tweet of the week just, came, just, came from uh, came just, from fake Barry saying. Alvarez, which said uh, Utah just State saying. got rid of Gary Anderson before Gary Anderson could get rid of Utah State, because as we know, he's left both Wisconsin and Oregon State before he could be fired at his last two jobs. Wow. I have a feeling he won't be uh, probably getting another job anytime soon. Uh, no, I think he can go back to. Uh, I, I think he can go back to Mormonizing. Has anyone like made more money off of a random like nine and two season at a mid major than Gary Anderson? Oh, I'm sure there's someone, but um, I was, gonna, it, I, I was well, uh, I was going to say Rich Rod, but no, it was at West Virginia, which isn't quite a mid major. And they were one Pittsburgh upset away from being in the BCS national title game. Mm-hmm, they were. 
but they lost to Pitt. And you know that written into the BCS formula was that if you lose to Pitt, you're not allowed to play in the title game. <laughs> Can I tell you one of the most annoying things about Gary Anderson is when you uh, Google him, uh, it loves to come up with a place kicker, Gary Anderson first, even though they're spelled differently. Yeah, because the Gary because Gary Anderson, the coach, spells it with an E. I know, but Google like is confused by that. Yeah, because everyone else spells it with an O. Like he can't even be like good at that. He can't even be good at the spelling. All right, here was Gary Anderson's career, by the way. Two thousand three went four and seven with coach's favorite team in Utah, Southern Utah Thunderbirds. Coach, you talk about them a lot. I know you're a big T Bird fan. Mm-hmm. And then he moved over to Utah State. Six years later. <laughs> Got the job in 09 at Utah State. A uh, little bit of a rough patch to begin. He went 8 and 16. And then in 2011, he did make a bowl game. They unfortunately lost the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Then in 2012, they went 11 and 2, 6 and 0 in conference, won the conference, and followed that up by winning the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Gets the Wisconsin <laughs> job, went 9 and 4 his first year, lost the Capital One Bowl. Went ten and three, seven and one, and won the division in twenty fourteen. And do you remember what happened at the end of that season in the Big Ten title game? I believe they had a narrow defeat in the Big Ten title game, right? Um, I want to say it was like twenty four twenty one with the last second field goal. Uh, not <laughs> quite. Uh, I, I think that the final score of that game was fifty nine to nothing. What? That mm, and I don't remember that one. The MVP of the game was the one and only Cardale Jones. There we go. Whoa. Oh my god. So and he, and coming Western. into the game, by the way, do you know what the spread on that game was, Josh? Mm, Twenty one. Wisconsin was favored by four. What? Why? Because the week before, uh be- because coming into that the week before uh, JT Barrett had gotten hurt. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Yes. They were on their third-string quarterback. Yes. That's right. I thought that it had happened a week or two earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 Any, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he, he then yeah. doesn't... 59 he doesn't sh- to nothing. He could, like, And then at, and right after the game, he's like, oh, peace out, guys. Yeah, so he didn't coach in the Outback Bowl, unfortunately. Fortunately. Goes to, or- goes to Oregon State. Barry came back and won that, won the Outback. There we go. Goes to Oregon State in 2015. First season, two and ten, a delightful zero and nine in conference play. Then 2016, four and eight, three and six, marked improvement. But then 2017, one and five, zero and three, and he pieced out. And then halfway through the season. Yep. And then Utah State, seven and six last year, lost the Frisco Bowl, unfortunately. And then zero uh, and three in three just absolute blowouts. He is, uh, yeah, he's currently sixty three and seventy overall for his career. So uh, let, let's tally it up. He had the eleven and two season, and he parlayed that into two paychecks. One at, one big one at Wisconsin where he went nineteen and seven. Yeah, but, and, and he went nineteen and seven with Burt Bielema's players. Yeah. And then he got a nice big paycheck from Oregon State and went seven and twenty-three, <laughs> three and eighteen in the Pac-12. Ooh. Yeah. And by the way, he's just 
with Mike Riley's place. Yeah. By the way, he's just one in four in bowl games. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he's getting another head coaching job anytime soon. And he's old. Well, there's plenty of programs that could use somebody with head coaching experience. He will find something. I mean, he <laughs> might have to go to Division Two, but he might find something. Maybe maybe Southern Miss can have their eighth coach of the season. I mean... I see I, I see him finishing off the Utah Triumvirate and going to Weber State. <laughs> That's what John L. Smith did, I believe. Uh, anyway, our sizable Notre Dame audience has got to be pissed that Gary Anderson made the show before <laughs> Brian Kelly's first win over a top five team did. Well, I mean, okay, yeah. So we 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 might as well talk about that, guys. We might as, as well talk about as they're all recovering from COVID. Uh, they're probably yeah. They, did they get get uh, our our entire Notre Dame audience who also should be being tested for COVID at the moment because they rushed the field like a bunch of nincompoops. To be fair, <laughs> they were just taking a key from the president of the university who attended the Rose Garden ceremony for Amy Coney Barrett not wearing a mask. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you've been living under a college football rock and have not noticed, uh, Notre Dame beat number one Clemson 47-40 to 40 in double overtime this past weekend. Uh, DJ Uyunga Lale, um, I'm getting pretty darn good at saying that name. Uh, did the actually quite, Cinco. aka Big Cinco, did quite well. Acquitted himself quite well for Clemson. 29 of 44, 439 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Added another one on the ground, only sacked twice. But his teammates, uh, they had a bad case of fumbleitis. Josh, they coughed up the ball three times between Armani Rogers, Travis Etienne, and uh, Braden Galloway. You know, we got a receiver, running back, and a tight end all fumbling the ball. That's not going to help. And on for Notre Dame, um, one thing that I noticed, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa might be the best linebacker in college football this year without Micah Parsons around. Because, my God, I felt like he made every single tackle for them. He made two and a half tackles for a loss, nine total tackles, and he was just an animal. Ian Book played a really, really clean game uh, outside of one lost fumble. He didn't throw any picks. And, you know, Josh, I I thought Clemson was going to win this one. I thought it was going to be another Notre Dame letdown. How surprised were you that the Irish were able to pull this one out? extremely surprised um I, I think i might have given notre dame the highest chance on the show i said it would take one of ian book's greatest games and uh, i know his touchdown number one touchdown to zero picks doesn't seem that impressive but um he was brilliant for vast stretches of this game uh his feet were amazing during this game, obviously Clemson's pass rush is still incredible. And he was dancing out of trouble, scrambling. He had a really nice scramble to keep the drive alive very late in the game when they had to tie it. And he got it out of bounds, a heads up play there to save a timeout. Ended up with 67 rushing yards. Uh, but also on a lot of his passes, 
He also kind of danced around, got out of the pocket, uh, created new passing lanes, things like that. And then uh, fairly accurate on the day, 22 of 39. Um, you know, again, not like the sexiest number, but based on the f- like pressure and athletes and craziness that Clemson can throw at you, that's certainly a pretty good mark. Um, I guess the takeaway for me is Notre Dame finally broke through under Brian Kelly. It was kind of like, is this ever going to happen? And yeah, I mean, they're not in the playoffs yet. They're not winning a national title yet. But, you know, this is a big notch in what is this Irish program under Brian Kelly? Is it a good program? Is it a great program? Is it an elite program? It's been kind of stuck at good. Depending on how the rest of this year goes, you can maybe move them up to a very good program. And maybe if next year follows a similar track, who knows? We're getting at ourselves. But you had to finally win one of these big ones, and Notre Dame finally won one of these big ones. Another takeaway I had, you know, Clemson had some issues on defense. They had a few players out for this game. But again, said it with Georgia obviously with Clemson ripping off multiple national titles. Why was their defense so ineffective for major stretches of this game? Defies logic. Something happened there. Let's give credit to Notre Dame. Third takeaway from this game is basically Notre Dame said to Big Cinco, go ahead and beat us, young man. But we're not letting you have your two-headed monster. And they shut down Etienne. He had 18 carries and just 28 yards. Um, Yeah, the Irish gave up plenty of yards. Yeah, they gave up plenty of points. But it took a Herculean effort by a freshman in his second career start to keep Clemson in this game. The Irish had a really good game plan. Hats off to Brian Kelly and his staff. Hats off to Ian Book. Uh, And then obviously, Matt, you talked about their big lineman. I'll talk about their awesome running back, Kieran Williams. 23 carries, buck 43 touchdowns. Uh, You talk about your quarterback having one of his best games ever in college, and they got their running back with one of his best games in college. Uh, Just congrats to Notre Dame. Huge win. Coach, I mean, it must have been a pretty rough night in your household between the dogs and the Tigers losing. It was. Uh, Laura actually stayed up for that one. It was it was a late one, and she was like, can't go to bed. And then all of a sudden, like, I dozed off because I was exhausted from our playoff game on Friday night, uh, waking up early, and then, you know, just mentally drained from that Georgia game. Just I, I, I just happened to – all of a sudden, I was sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden, I wake up. It's in the second overtime, and Laura's in Huck's chair, like, biting her nails, like, what the heck's going on here? You know, why are we losing to Notre Dame? Or why are we about to lose to Notre Dame? Or, you know, why are we in overtime? Or and she was and then I saw the second overtime and then I just saw I just saw things fall apart there for Clemson. Uh once once Notre Dame scored that touchdown in the second overtime, their defense just finished it off. And um, you know, you look at the stats and uh, you know, three tu- the three turnovers loom large for Clemson. Uh, the total yards are fairly equal. The first downs are dead even. Time of possession is about as close to 50-50 as you can get. Um, so neither team really, like, came out and dominated this game. Uh, it just happened uh, some some big plays. Uh, 
at certain points, like Kyron Williams, first play of the game, 65 yards. Um, he had a fumble return for a touchdown where, where ETN uh, coughed it up. You had uh, – then you had some more field goals, and then um, you, you had some – you know, he had some decent drives there for Notre Dame that were capped off by a four-yard touchdown pass from Book to um, Avery Davis. You had Kyron Williams on another three-yard run, and then uh, Kyron Williams on another three-yard run in, in, in the second overtime. So, you know, just they were able to drive the football. They were able to get down there, uh, you know. And when I say drive the football, I mean let's look at their scoring drives. One play, 75 yards. 10 plays, 49 yards, or 10 plays, 49 yards, field goal. Uh, 13 plays ended with a field goal. One play, negative eight, um, ended with a, you know, it's a touchdown defensive score. Um, seven plays, 31 yards, field goal. Eight plays, 91 yards, touchdown. Four plays, touchdown. Seven plays, touchdown. Um, so, it, you know, as the game went on, they're t- they're – their number of plays got lower, which means they were reeling off chunk plays, which means <laughs> what did I say about chunk plays in, in, in the previous episode? I think that's been one of the themes of the year we've seen. Yeah, chunk plays is huh. definitely uh, one of the – I think two years ago it was definitely the RPO. It, uh, it's it's <laughs> a demoralizer. I mean, you know, if you can get 12 yards – if you can get 12 yards of play on a drive, that's a freaking backbreaker, man. Um, Summit did it to us in our playoff game. First series, first play, 12 yards. Second play, 30 yards. Third play, uh, four yards. And then the next play, finish off the finish off whatever was left. The last thing I want to say about this game is one thing that caught me a little bit by surprise. I'll admit I don't watch Notre Dame football very often. Um, but usually when I think of Brian Kelly, I think of a just – red strawberry face like frothing at the mouth looks like a rabid dog screaming i've always just been like yeah that that doesn't really work for me if i had a boss doing that i would just tune them out and i can't imagine a football player thriving in that environment and obviously some do otherwise they wouldn't have signed with notre dame but uh he was really subdued on the sideline he had this like quiet calm yeah there were moments where he had some energy, which you kind of expect. Uh, coach is always going to have that energy at times. But it wasn't like a sustained, crazy attack where it's like he's yelling at players for like nonstop throughout the game. Uh, he looked a lot more balanced. He looked a whole lot more confident that his team belonged on the field with Clemson. And I think he saw that confidence in the last drive to tie the game in the double overtime yeah i mean i was just amazed at how poised as a team notre dame was and that there was definitely time there in the second half where it felt like clemson was just going to be able to take it and pull away can, can i make a, a major confession you guys yeah can't can't believe i'm saying this on the podcast but yeah Wait, wait, um, hold on. Are you going to say you were rooting for Notre Dame? These are my confessions. I, I found myself pulling for them as the game went on. God. Just, Josh, it, do I even know you? Well, 
Josh, what, like, he, Josh, you've literally been my best friend for more than 15 the, years. And but, this is the first time you've ever even like remotely said something like that. But Matt, like, he's going to tell I, us next he's rooting for Nebraska. <laughs> no, Matt, you know, I like upsets. You know, I like yes. chaos. You yes. know, I like the playoffs to be shamed. Yes. I mean, like Notre Dame's win plays more into my chaos theory and True. my love of chaos. True. Uh, it would be like, uh, you know, say Alabama is in a tussle with Texas A&M. I'd find myself pulling for Texas A&M. It's a mm-hmm. momentary like, ooh, this is fun. For yeah, if, if, it's, if it's a non-Iowa team involved. Yeah. I mean, it, I it was more that. it was more like that. that. I, I'm not. I'm not going to watch Notre Dame next week or this weekend. Like, I'm not going to turn on. You're not NBC. turning on Notre Dame BC this weekend. No, I'm not going to listen to Tony. Dungy you're not going to. You're not going to watch the fight for the, the the battle for the jewels shillelagh. No, oh. no, I'm not. So, like, don't sit, don't confuse me momentarily pulling for Notre. You're not Dame here to chaos. watch Joe Tessitore's kid as the as the holder on the. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> He's back, folks. I'm I'm just not here for Notre Dame love uh for a variety of reasons. Mm. But I don't know. You know, I I good for them. Good well, if for that's them. the case, I might have to uh uh do something about the birthday gift I got you. Did you Josh, did you get me a uh <laughs> did you get me a giant painting of Touchdown Jesus? No, even better. I got you the uh, talking Lou Holtz polstering doll. You, <laughs> you pull it and then he gives you life advice. Oh, like God. you pull it, like you pull it, and it'll be like, you study Jesus. And you, you pull it again and he's like, he's like, they they were a really good team. And you like pull it again. It, it gives you all these great sound bites. It's, wow, it's the talking, that... it's the talking Lou Holtz doll. You know what? I I, I wouldn't hate that. I would not hate that. I I can't hate on uh well I I I I can't hate on Lou Holtz's um lisp as someone who grew up with a uh, a pretty significant one myself. Yeah. Well, the the tickle or the uh the uh talking Lou Holtz doll is the second biggest coaching themed selling doll in uh in toy history. You guys know the number one one? Uh, uh I'm going to assume it's it's uh tackling Woody Hayes. No, it, it's actually the tickle me, Joe Paterno. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Ooh, I thought it was tickle me, Sandusky, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> tickle me, Joe Pa. Tickle me, Joe Pa. <laughs> Ooh. All right, all right, all well, right, folks. Right. I mean, we had a bunch of other games to talk about, but my God, how are you going to top that? Um, because Indiana beat Michigan for the first time in 24 years. That's how you top it. Yeah, let's talk about that. We're still in the mid. We're in the middle. We're in the state of Indiana. You know, we go from South Bend to Bloomington. It was a good weekend for in- for the state of Indiana when it came to football. Um, Michael Penix, did we, Michael did Penix, Ju- uh, no, they lost to the Ravens. <laughs> And Purdue other game canceled. <laughs> well, I can't win them all. Um, 
Michael Penix Jr., who I really, really have to work hard to not say Michael Penix Jr., because <laughs> I really want to say that every single time, but I shouldn't. Um, Michael Penix Jr., uh, all he did, 342 yards, three touchdowns through the air. And Josh, like, meat chicken. Um, after a week one win at Minnesota, they have been like the Don Brown defense has been a joke. You know, Joe Milton hasn't been bad. He had a couple turnover. You know, he had two through two picks in this game, but like the Don Brown defense didn't been exposed. Didn't sack Penix <clears throat> once. The Don Brown defense had three total tackles for loss on a total of 71 offensive plays. Like what, what's I, or something off. What am I saying? 80, no, not, not 71, 88 offensive plays. Like it's not good. Yeah. You know, Indiana, Indiana exposed this team a few years ago and they just repeated the exact same performance. Uh, the difference is this time, though, Indiana was just a better football team. Um, you mentioned the great day Penix Jr. had. Uh, he also got a lot of help by a bruising running back, Stevie Scott. 24 carries, two touchdowns. Uh, had some really nice runs out in the red zone to finish off drives. Um, the other thing for Michigan, you know, Don Brown is... Don Brown's going to get... <laughs> Harbaugh fired, or at least uh, a mutual parting of ways, because Harbaugh's refusing to move on him. Harbaugh's being loyal and and going down with the boat, but the defense is terrible. But the offense, Josh Gaddis's offense, I mean, what in the world are they doing? They produced 13 rushing yards on 18 carries. And for those 13 yards, 11 of them came on one run. So, um, yeah, that this Michigan team is. How does Jack, Zach Charbonnet have one carry? I, I, I don't know that, you know, um, what's I'm trying to think. So. The last two coaches Michigan's had, um, you know, you had Rich Rodriguez, who, um, was totally overhauling their offense, going a totally different way. And they just ran out of patience with him. And you saw it in Brady Hoke's first year with all those players that Rich Rod brought in. Brady Hoke's first season was incredible. And so Michigan basically gave up on Rich Rod and dumped him. And then Brady Hoke, um, you know, has that great debut season. But... um, you know, there, there's just some coaches who aren't good enough. Recruiters aren't good enough at at being at a big time program. And Brady Hoke just is one of those coaches. He would be a fantastic position or coordinator at the Power Five level, but he's not a good enough CEO to be at Michigan. And we saw them decline over time, and they rightfully moved on from him. This is not Harbaugh's second or third year. This is his sixth season. And this is the worst they've ever looked under him. Um, There's, like, he needs to fire 
Don Brown. If he wants to keep his job, if he's serious about staying at Michigan, he's a can Don Brown, like ASAP. And he needs to take Josh Gaddis aside. And Josh Gaddis is our age. He was born in 1984. He needs to take us aside and be like, what is your play calling philosophy? How are we producing 13 running yards in a game? It's inexcusable with the talent Michigan has. I know Indiana is a vastly improved football program. There's no reason for 13 rushing yards against Indiana. Like, it, it, I, I'm so confused. I don't even know how a team can get this bad with some of the recruiting classes Harbaugh's put together. I, I don't get it. I think it's a full system failure here. Um, you know, I, I think where, you know, you have, you have breakdown at the top, and it filters all throughout the program. It, it's you can kind of see that things are falling apart, you know, piece by piece by piece. You know, in the, in the Minnesota game, it was, you know, they gave you false hope. They come out, they they look, they're on fire. Josh Gaddis is like starting to look like a genius. He's he's gotten the the, the Wolverines somewhat in the twenty first century, and you know you have to think that Harbaugh is just. There's just a lot of distraction. Um, Harbaugh, I, I think, with all this time off, he's been consulting with his agent and trying to figure out how to get into the NFL. Um, wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he did do that. Um, but they, you know, I, I think they need a coach that a has both feet on the ground in, in Ann Arbor. I think b they need somebody that can figure out how to balance this offense out, how to get your playmakers uh, the ball properly. I mean, Ronnie Bell had a great day, six catches, 149. Uh, Cornelius Johnson had a good day, four catches for 82, but that's pretty much it. I mean, Zach Charbonnet had three catches and one carry. That shouldn't happen. Hassan Haskins, you got to find a way to create more than just six carries and, and 19 yards. Uh, you know, there, there's got to be, you know, you had probably, let's see, you had, you know, Joe Milton getting sacked for minus nine yards. You had Giles Jackson with a with a got thrown for a loss. Blake Corum got on two plays, got uh, thrown for losses. So I mean, you, you've got to just figure out a way to get this offense undiscombobulated because it was it was bad. They were I, I didn't feel like they were ever a threat against Indiana. On the flip side, um, I felt like all three you know two of the three touchdowns that Michael Penix threw were uh, fade balls. And that's damning on a uh, on a defensive coordinator. If you know, there's one thing if it's coverage breakdown or they get you or whatever, but they hit you on they hit you on a fade ball, one, not once but twice, where they scheme one on one, and and they they hit you, which I, I felt like it was four verts all day long, um, and I felt like that was a, a really successful uh, concept for Indiana, and they did a great job of exploiting it and. They created some one-on-one matchups and and they won them. And you know, kudos to to them. Ty uh, Fry Fogel, Whoop Filer. What are these names? I love these names. Ty Fry Fogel, Whoop Filer, Miles Marshall, um, Peyton Hendershot. Um, they, I mean, they win the they win the name contest. But um, you know, just just impressive plays all around. Indiana wanted it more. Indiana was more checked in. Um, and, uh, they, they, they were hungry. And so you celebrate all of that or you celebrate, but 
Uh, I'm reading a headline where Indiana coach celebrates by tackling his own player. Um, <laughs> but no, they they were they were in it. They were they were they're bought in. Tom Allen's doing a tremendous job of motivating these guys. They've played. They've gotten better each and every week. Um, I can't wait to see kind of how they progress throughout the season. Hopefully, hope they can sustain this level of success. Uh, depth is going to be a concern as they go down the stretch, but I, I think right now they're playing some great football. And they, I mean, call me crazy, they might be the second best team in the conference right now. I mean, with the fact that Wisconsin hasn't played in a month and a half, or it's what it feels like, uh, pretty much bolsters your argument right there. All right, well, we need to move on from the Big Ten over to what That's used to be. Statement. Well, what used to be a Mountain West matchup and is now Mountain West versus Independent, BYU just time ro- marches on. BYU keeps rolling on. Guys, they're 8-0. And Zach Wilson is a legit Heisman candidate. He had four total touchdowns in this game, 360 yards through the air, three scores that way, added another one on the ground. Um uh, his buddy Gunnar Romney, uh, Josh. You know if he's related to Mitt. I feel like they have to be. The Romney family is just massive. I mean, we're just going to assume he's like a great nephew or something like that at this point. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Um, Boise State always a perennial power in the group of five. They got smashed on the Smurf turf. I, this might have been. This is one of their biggest home losses that I can remember, and. Like, BYU is a scary, scary team, Josh. They are. Uh, what's What was amazing about this game is it was 16-3 to at halftime. And I was just confused beyond all get out of, I was like, how did Boise State even keep it that close? Like, they're getting worked, and it just isn't appearing on the scoreboard and then sure enough everything clicked in the second half and especially that third quarter a 22 point quarter yeah, they, they exploded <laughs> but yeah they just BYU just couldn't finish drives at that point yeah and um you know BYU it, it the the sad thing for BYU is um the committee's going to look and go how many ranked teams do they play oh none their best game or best opponent is Army, and that game got postponed. So maybe it can come back. Um, you know, Boise State, maybe Boise State gets going again. Maybe Boise State, who knows? Maybe Boise wins the conference. Maybe Boise goes undefeated from here on out themselves and works their way back into the top 25. I I just have a feeling the committee is going to... Uh, pretty much throw BYU's resume into the garbage when that's really unfair because there's, you know, playing a soft schedule and, and winning a bunch of games like 24, 21, and you don't really impress anybody. And you just kind of, uh, fall ass backwards into an undefeated season Watch them play. <laughs> I know that's I what mean, I'm getting to. Yeah, yeah they passed the damn eye test. Yeah, um, but I just I don't know if the committee watches it. I mean, we'll we'll see. But yeah, that's true. They probably don't watch anything. They just they just say, okay, where's Bama? Where's Clemson? Uh, yep. Okay, where's Oklahoma? 
Oh. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. You know. So that it gets back to one of the original sins. This playoff system is the stupidest creation to have five power conference teams who are pretty much always a lock to get in to a four team tournament. It's asinine. Um, and let's, you know, we've talked about it as ad nauseum. It's one of our common themes on this show. So I'll just leave it there. I mean, if they really wanted to get funky, they could, uh, you know, have the eight team playoff for, uh, G five and P five and have a true national champion, uh, for each level. Mm -hmm. They could really get funky right there. Or, you know, they could just literally look at over at the most successful and most exciting tournament ever created, the NCAA basketball tournament, and go, oh, we kept expanding the field and people watched it and ate it up. But, you know. Guaranteed people. But Josh, 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 the student athletes. Uh, Yes. The student athletes. Because 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 that's their greatest concern. Our precious student athletes who because they're not student athletes at OCS or Division Two or Division Three. Yeah, our, our precious student athletes who um, we can't cancel a season during a pandemic for. No, not at all. Uh, well, let's let, let's let's continue on. Uh, the team that I mentioned earlier that I really despise talking about in the show, but <laughs> they're a top twenty-five team and they're USC. <laughs> they're the th- Josh. They might be the second, uh, maybe third. Uh, if you're considering Notre Dame an ACC team this year, uh, the third best team in the ACC this year is Liberty. Yeah, and Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. I hate everything about this school. Everything this school stands for. The head coach of this school. Hey, they but, don't fall well junior. So, the, oh, the next, congrats! Next, All uh, it's a bit, uh, about ten years too late. But <laughs> the next like, head coach at Vandy. You know what, though? You know what? I, I will say this. December 5th is going to be an absolute clash of the Titans. Do you know who Liberty's playing on that day, Coach? Coastal? Yes. yes. Oh. Coastal Carolina versus Liberty. That should be a playing game to the playoff. <laughs> Saying it now. Yeah. At least the group of five playoff. The group of five playoff. That that's a that's a playing game to the group of five playoff. We'll see if Liberty does. That was a drop, we, guys. We will see if Liberty <laughs> uh happens to Liberty. Here's what I know about Liberty right now. Malik Willis can play football. Three passing touchdowns, 108 yards, and another score on the ground. And they went in to Blacksburg and they beat Virginia Tech. Josh, uh, does this say more about the state of Virginia Tech or the state of Liberty? Hmm. Can it be both? I, I know that's such Virginia a I know that's such a cop quit. out, but I know that's such a cop out. But I mean, look, you, you had Liberty with a number next to their name playing a road game against a team with arguably better athletes or at least more athletes because Virginia Tech's going to be a deeper program and Liberty held their own. And on top of that, Liberty really asserted themselves 
with that ground game. You already mentioned Malik uh, Willis, who was dynamite this game, passing was, the ball to it. 217 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and then had a 108 on the ground as a team. Liberty, 249 yards, and that's where it then tells us a little bit about Virginia Tech. I mean, how are you getting gashed that badly? How are you just getting beat up that badly? I mean, out physical. And then, I mean, when are we going to stop this icing the kicker stuff? I swear it never works. And (laughs) Fuente calls the timeout. They block the field goal and scoop and score it and win the game. But, oh, wait, they didn't because our our coach is doing this head game thing that I have not had anyone prove to me it's successful in any way. And we're going on about, I don't know, 25, 30 years of coaches doing this. The kicker knows it's coming. The kicker's like, cool, I get two free shots. So on this first one, you know, we'll just do it as a quick practice and who gives a damn it's it's so stupid maybe it's because there's no more bud foster did they did they forget to tell the guy who was taking over for bud foster that he was the defensive coordinator apparently not (laughs) i mean it wouldn't surprise me uh they they were they were so bad on defense they were getting gassed you know who their new defensive coordinator is uh bud foster jr no it it's miller heineken (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's because i've had a a few too many heinekens this evening but that's a good one josh well thank you thank you why are they getting gassed why are they i mean they're getting gassed in the run uh willis is throwing complete dimes and he doesn't really have to throw dimes because there's He's thrown to a wide open receiver a lot of times. They're, I mean, they're totally lost in the secondary. Um, and they're not getting any pressure. They're terrible against the run. Um, other than that, they're pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, just like o- they drew it up. Offensively, they, they you know, they, they've shown they can move the ball. Uh, Hooker's a great quarterback. I, you know, they're. You know, watching these watching these highlights looks like they do a lot of dynamic stuff offensively, and you know it's a shame that they they're pr- they're pretty good and, and creative and explosive on offense, and they can't stop a nosebleed. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Like, ugh. yeah, it, it it is embarrassing for Virginia Tech, and it's you know is the acc ready for expansion for a 15th 16th team if you had a notre dame so you know who knows at this point anyhow uh we need to move over finally to uh the opening weekend of the pac 12 uh produced what should have been six games what ended up being four games because hashtag covid19 uh oregon beat stanford uh, well, in what was close at first, but ended up uh, not being a laugher. But Sam, but Oregon won uh, pretty easily. The game of the the, the game of the weekend, though, in the, in the Pac-12 was USC Arizona State. USC pulled this one out of the deepest, deepest recesses of their posterior. Uh, I was never in doubt. Yeah, it was it, it was never in doubt. All they needed was a fourteen point comeback late in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter to do it. What? Those breakfast uh, those breakfast croissants were really good on the sideline. Help <laughs> help fuel them. Yeah, uh, for for the nine a.m. local kickoff, 
Hey, they got the whole day ahead of them. That's a really good idea. Maybe maybe that should be the thing. I mean, they 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 finish up in time to go get uh to go get brunch at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. I mean, instead of pack instead of pack twelve after dark, it's uh pack twelve. It was pack twelve before dawn. Pack twelve before dawn. I mean, shoot, uh, Keaton Slobus threw the ball fifty five times. Which, Brian Ferens drew that game plan. <laughs> oh my god! Um, you know, I mean, USC. I mean, Graham Harrell. I mean, he he's yeah. got it. He's got him getting some yards. Yeah, he's he got him getting some yards. Five. What was what, what was it? Your five hundred and fifty six yards? I think for USC. I mean, they they did have one hundred and seventy five rushing yards, so it wasn't totally imbalanced. No, what, what was, now they did manage to have four turnovers, but like this was a yeah. turnover fast for both teams. I mean, yeah. Arizona yeah, State lost three fumbles, USC loses three fumbles and throws a pick. I mean, it, it it's was almost like the teams were sleepy for some reason. Hmm, I wonder why. Yeah, seven total turnovers. So here's the thing, you know, you look at USC and wet, you're like wet grass. Yeah, you're like, well, they had eight more first downs. They had uh, 150 more yards, uh, really efficient through the air, pretty good ground game. So what exactly happened? And it was all those turnovers because, I mean, look at some of these drives that ended in turnovers. Uh, Turnover on downs for SC in the first half after seven plays, 51 yards. Uh, then they had an interception. Oh, no, that wasn't a long drive. Sorry. It was the fumble, uh, four play drive, 31 yards. That was looking good. And then they fumbled. Then they had a 12 play, 81 yard drive and a turnover on downs. Uh, then they had a 14 play, 60 yard drive fumble. So, you know, I picked USC to surprise Oregon. I just, you know. I, I went with a quarterback that was more proven. I think Oregon's a great team as well. Uh, I fully expect USC and Oregon to be duking it out. I just went with what I felt was the more sure thing, and I still feel that way. But uh, USC, if they had had any competency uh, or better luck with these turnovers on downs or the fumbles and interceptions and all this stuff, like – if it had played out with any common sense, which that's the beauty of football is it doesn't always play out with common sense, they would have just obliterated this Arizona State team. So I was just sitting there checking in on this game going, all right, USC, when like when are you going to finish some of these drives? Like, can we can we play up to your potential? Can we play halfway up to your potential? And yeah, it took them until late in the fourth quarter to do it, but they well, finally yeah, did because it. Because that was normal game time. And, yeah. and it was also the first game of the year and, and you've you got to take into consideration like it's always going to be ugly for every team the first game of the year when you when you come out of the gates with a conference game it makes the, the pressures that much more but then you throw in the fact that it's the first ever 9 a.m kickoff the other thing too uh, sorry to you cut know, you off coach but the other no, thing too that i i feel like is i feel like arizona state was playing to win the game they play to win the game. They they did. Are you sure they didn't just play to play? <laughs> they didn't play not to lose. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Josh, any other games from the weekend that you want to talk about? Yeah, I want to zip through uh, several. Um, 
First of all, Cincinnati looked great yet again. Uh, Coastal Carolina, uh, absolutely dominant defensive performance um, in their 23-6 win. Arkansas, a fantastic come-from-behind victory. Uh, 24 points in the third quarter. That was the only quarter. Yeah, that was the only quarter the Pigs scored any points, and those were the only points they needed as they won. 24-13. And then a couple of Big Ten games. Maryland we didn't talk about, but Maryland absolutely obliterated Penn State. Penn State winless on the year. Tua Taga Viola's little brother is... Talia. Yeah, he's going to lose that little brother label if he keeps putting up 282 yards three touchdowns no picks and the dolphins are going to draft him and he's going to come in and take <laughs> big brother's spot <laughs> that i don't be- know big brother looked pretty good against the cardinals they they could play them both on the field at the same time and totally mess with team uh, and can. then also also in the big 10 uh <laughs> nebraska <laughs> uh, things are going well there at lakehead uh they lost 21 13 to the very quiet 3-0 Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, yes. They are in a good position to represent the Big Ten West, uh, especially if Wisconsin somehow has another uptick and has to cancel any more games. Uh, my Hawkeyes, how about them? 49-7. to uh, was, was Brian Ferentz off that day? Well, here's the thing. Uh, they were aided by three interceptions, creating short fields, and one was a pick six. They also had a punt return for a touchdown, and another punt return set them up in great field position. So the offense, yeah, it produced 400 yards, and it looked good at times, uh, but here were their scoring drives. Uh, first drive, touchdown, 75 yards. Okay, that was a good one. Second drive, 74 yards, also a good one. Awesome. That was the bulk of their offense. Next touchdown drive, 47 yards. Next, uh, next uh, they had their pick six and the punt for a touchdown. And then in the second half, they had another nice drive, 75 yards. But I'm seeing, if you look at the drive chart, a whole bunch of punts. And a missed field goal. So they had a few nice drives, but it was not a sustained game. And they scored 14 points in the second half. And they also got their first touchdown of the year in the second half this game. So uh, prove to me against Minnesota this Friday that you have something more. Then finally, last but not least, game that caught my eye. Also from the Hawkeye State, cross-state frenemy. Iowa State, awesome come-from-behind victory against Baylor, 38-31. Uh, 28-point second-half explosion. Uh, it took a while to get into gear, but they looked pretty good And uh, in the second half. Well done, Cyclones. All right, Coach, any final words? Yeah, um, I want to ask you guys a question. Uh, this is interesting. Um, have you guys heard of this app called CivX? No, no, it's uh, with you guys being into uh, politics a little bit. um, It is a a mobile app that provides user friendly approach to looking up legislation proposed by members of Congress. It gives you the ability to look up, filter every bill on Capitol Hill, 
It empowers you to crowdfund political contributions right from your smartphone. So, Josh, when you and I are uh, running uh, Cook Burton 24, um, <laughs> this will allow us to uh, do some of that stuff right from your phone. So how does it work? You With the touch of the button, you can provide the ability to contribute to House members and senators or us that vote in your favor of bills that you support. Hate Not for third-party perco. Rude. Rude. Uh, rude. You, you'll be the Speaker of the House. Um, <laughs> hate a particular bill? Then you can easily donate to all the congressmen that vote against the bill. Hmm. So it's available in the App Store, Google Play, uh, Apple App Store. Uh, you can learn more about the startup. Visit uh, usciv.com. That's U-S-C-I-V, capital X, dot com. Uh, they recently launched a campaign on the Indiegogo to raise some funding that will enable them to continue developing the platform. Um, and uh, so there you go. Um, so civics, man, they, they are, uh, that's a, it. It, it kind of jumped out at me a little bit. Um, and um, my, my guy, Nick Gentile over, he's co-founder and head of strategy over there. Um, going to promote, going to promote illegal motion um, across all of his network. So, Figured I would uh, give him some love as well. So Nick, thank you for the thank you for the word. Thank you for the opportunity, and uh, thank you for the uh, the avenue of which Josh and I can take over the White House. <laughs> I will vote Cook Burton as long as I, I don't want to. I don't want to be the, uh, the the Speaker of the House, though. Uh, I, I, I have no interest in trying to wrangle all those votes. Uh, you're you're the you're the HUD secretary then. <laughs> HUD, really? You're gonna put me in a HUD? Like at least give at, at, at least give me like health and human services or something. What what do you what do you want, Matt? Do you want Secretary, Secretary of State? State? Yeah. State? I want Secretary of State. I get to travel all over the world. You got it. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. It. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> ha- hashtag third party G- perco for Secretary of State. We're gonna put Gary Anderson as HUD. <laughs> God. I mean, he's got nothing else to do right now. Let's face it. Yeah, exactly. He's got to have something to do. Like I don't know. He looks he, like he's he's gonna. Well, he's just gonna go join the Tabernacle Choir. <laughs> I was gonna say he looks like someone who enjoys a good game of Scrabble. He's going. Caramel. No, no, whoa, 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 John. I, I, I think, I think Scrabble might be a little too ambitious for him. Boggle. Uh, uh, Scrabble. No, I, I, I boggle, boggle, maybe. Uh, I, I see him someone as someone who might enjoy a, a good game. Sorry, uh, he's a big trouble player. No, he loves Guess Who. Guess Who's phenomenal. I still play Guess Who. Guess Who. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, on that, <laughs> uh, on that board gaming note. Uh, hey guys, we're gonna quick question. Do you think Donald Trump stops his uh, visits here to the illegal motion? Is that a po- is that no? Even... He's gonna have a whole bunch more time coming up. Yeah, he's gonna have a lot. I mean, he he may become a permanent co-host. True. Um, you know, <laughs> he's, he, he's gonna up. become he's gonna become a permanent co-host. Him <laughs> and Lou, him and Lou Holtz are just gonna be. Uh, they're gonna take over my job. You guys aren't gonna be hearing me anymore. It's just gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be the Holtz and Trump show. Until he went to the national title game a few years ago. What about Spurrier? Ooh. I was going to say, until he went to that national title game a few years ago, I don't picture Trump ever having attended a college football game in his life. I'm just like not seeing it. And of course he went to Alabama, but um, 
Uh, mm, another, not even when he. I, I see. I, I feel like when he was at Yale, he he wasn't going to classes. He had nothing else to do. Didn't he go to Penn for grad? Uh, he went to Wharton, I think, uh, for for business school. But I thought he went to Yale for undergrad. Uh, who cares? Well, if if you want to hear more about uh, my thoughts on the Georgia Florida game, just check out Believe in Georgia Dogs. Uh, Israel and I break down um, the game, and uh, we we talk about a little bit of other stuff as well, Ooh. but mostly. Uh, what went wrong um, in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? So be sure to check that out, and plus all the other shows on uh, on the channel. And if you want to hear me and Ryan bitch and moan about how god awful it is to watch Vanderbilt football every single week, uh, you can check out Believe in Vanderbilt football. You can also check out Believe in Badger football. Two shows coming out this week: one with Al Ashford and one with Benjamin Wargle. So uh, that'll be fun. And uh, there's a chance by this time next week there will be some big, uh, some big personal news coming from uh, yours truly, third party Perco. Oh, hmm. You finally uh, pulled the trigger and bought that Dodge Neon. Uh, you mean the Lambo? <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought you were looking at a '98 Neon. <laughs> No, Josh. I'm trying to. Josh, I'm getting the. I'm getting the purple prowler. Oh, <laughs> nice. To, to, uh, shout out to Walker, Texas Ranger. Nice. Too bad Plymouth isn't around. They could sponsor our show. Get us uh, a prowler, PT cruiser, and a Pacifica. Ooh. Oh, listen, man. I, I I'm calling dibs in the Pacifica. I am. Uh, I, I want that dream van, baby. You got. You guys <laughs> can have all that. Give me the PT cruiser. <laughs> oh God. The PT cruiser may be. The ugliest and worst car of the last 30 years. You, you want to hear a funny story? Well, I, I, do we have a choice? No. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be quick. All right. So we're going coach, to Coach, I love you. But if, you, if you're telling a story, it has never been quick once in your life. I'll, I'll try. I'll try this. Don't. Right. Why? Why even try? Just, just, just tell the story. Okay. I won't try. Um, so we're going to a Braves game, right? Uh, I just recently graduated college. So I'm probably 23 years old or so. We're going to a Braves game. A uh, friend of mine works at um, works at Enterprise. So they'll pick say, you up. Yes. Needless to say. Um, Was their job to up. cover all the cars in brown paper? Yes, <laughs> it was. He did a good job of it, too. Um, so we, uh, we, we, he's like, yeah, guys, uh, I got us a car. We're good. Um, we don't, none of us have to drive our own cars. Great. And, uh, there was four of us going to the game at the time and he shows up and it's a PT cruiser and our, uh, our fifth friend decided he wanted to go. So there was five single dudes piled into a PT Cruiser to go to the Braves game. So we show yeah. the Braves game in PT Cruiser. So, yeah. Uh, I to say that was probably the weakest car I've ever shown to anything in. So, Coach, my question is then why for my bachelor party, which you both were at in Atlanta to go to a Braves game, how did you not get a PT Cruiser for that? I just, I just didn't want to ruin the... Uh, the first experience of driving in a PT cruiser. <laughs> Plus I wanted to get slizzard 
And yeah, so, that that that's probably that's actually probably the correct answer. We would have needed a we would have needed a Pacifica to take all of us, <laughs> and uh, b uh, someone would have had to drive, which would have been a problem for our group. And we're, we're I still we were, remember th- I still remember that game of Star Wars night. Yeah, it was <laughs> where we were staying. Uh, we could have walked to the old stadium. Yeah, to the old stadium, but not to. Uh, Too bad not they to, weren't playing in the old stadium. Not, not to, to not to Cobb SunTrust. County. Yeah, we we couldn't get out to the to be a Cobb County Brave, the the, I, the battery. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City, Chicago, Illinois. This is the Professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Chicago. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.